The following show was taped in front of a live online audience. If you're interested in joining us for live meetups where you get to tell your own stories and meet us in person, alongside getting bonus episodes every single month, become part of our team. Become part of our tribe. Join us. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get all sorts of bonus content and invitations. We look forward to meeting you. Find us at patreon.com slash the bittersweet life podcast or make a donation through PayPal. There are links in the show notes or at the bittersweetlife.net. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we're kicking off, well, not really kicking off, but we're celebrating International Podcasting Day, which is now old by the time this is airing. But we're also celebrating October and terrifying things, the things that we expect around Halloween. We had this great idea of, you know, let's not talk about ghosts and spooks on this particular show. We'll talk about the most terrifying night or the most uncomfortable, unpleasant night that we've ever spent while away from our homes. Tiffany was calling it Fright Night, which I think is actually kind of funny and right on the nose. Uh, So I don't know, Tiffany, do you want to start with the first tale of a horrible night? Yeah, okay. The one that popped to my head as soon as you suggested this brilliant idea was a night that I spent in India. I spent a lot of kind of freaky nights in India, actually. Um, I was, it was a budget trip to India. It was a challenge to try to get the cheapest place that I could stay. Um, So, you know, I'm spending like one or two dollars a night per night in these hotels. And sometimes you can get like pretty decent for that price. I mean, it's never fancy, but you know, you can get a pretty decently clean place. that's not falling down around your head. (laughs) I happen to be in Agra, which if you don't know, India is the city where the Taj Mahal is, but it was one of the most uncomfortable nights that I had ever spent. I booked this hotel out of like in my lonely planet guide. And I found this place that said, you know, this is a really, you know, casual informal hotel, but it has a beautiful view of the Taj Mahal from the rooftop terrace and from some of the rooms. And so I said, you know, I'm going to spend a little bit extra money. Like instead of two euros, I'm going to go up to 10 euros because I really want to stay while I'm in Agra in a place that has a view of the Taj Mahal. And so I called and I requested, I said, I want one of the rooms that has a view. And I said, okay, it has a private bathroom. Yes, it has a private bathroom. And I'm like, okay. Aside that might be TMI, I was going through some digestive issues in those couple of days (laughs) while I was in India. Uh, So that was also going on. So I arrived and it was already evening time. And so I hadn't actually gone to the Taj Mahal yet. It is true. There was a beautiful view of the Taj Mahal from the rooftop at sunset time. It was all lit up and pink and beautiful, just like they say it is going to be. I was thrilled about that. And, And then it started to rain pour with rain. And so I went into my room, which had a view, it had a private bathroom and the water started to come through the windows. They were all shut, but it was my, I had like my duffel bag, you know, by the window and I came back and it was totally soaked. So I had to move all my stuff around. I had also insisted when I booked this room that I had to have hot water. 
I had to be able to take a shower with hot water. You, you don't always get a hot water in India if you're not staying in a fancy place. And so, you know, I had asked and they had told me yes. And um, basically, <laughs> I just realized, Katie, that this is really way TMI. I, okay, I had to give myself an enema that night. There was no getting around it. It was just something that had to be done. And this is why I wanted a hot shower. Because I'm trying to do this very like horrible process. And and there's no hot water. Like the hot water will come out for like two seconds and then it will stop. And and so I didn't actually start the process. But so I like stopped. I'm like towel drying myself off, freezing, shivering. It was a really cold night. I'm calling the front desk. They're like, okay, we'll, we'll come and fix it. So the guys are coming up into the room, trying to fix the hot water. It's not working. They're apologizing. I don't, I don't remember if it was when the hotel management was in the bathroom or when they had left. But I just remember looking up. I was on the top floor and I just looked up and there was water, rainwater, coming in through the roof pieces of the ceiling started falling through onto the bathroom floor and I'm pretty sure I never got my hot shower but what they did do was they brought me a bucket of hot water because there's no bathtub so I got a hot sponge bath better than nothing were you ever at all concerned that the ceiling was just going to cave in on you yeah I mean yes but you know you got to deal with one thing at a time mm-hmm. okay that's probably the worst, worst night that I ever, I mean, that's not really the overnight part of it, but you know, that was the evening part, but it was pretty bad. It was yeah, pretty that's bad. pretty bad. I don't think I've ever told you that story, Katie. No, I've never heard that story. I was trying to think of this topic and a lot of mine are so minor that I actually asked a friend of mine if I could tell their story. Cause I think it's so, so much funnier and so much more mortifying. And they said, yes. And so here's the setup. I had to write down a few notes. So he had been traveling. He had gotten stuck in the San Francisco airport and he had been there for something like 16 hours and they still had not gotten them flown out. And so eventually the airline says that they're going to put everybody up in a hotel, you know, as airlines do. He said about this time, it's about one in the morning, maybe 1.30 in the morning. And of course, it's been the most exhausting day because you're just dragging around standing in airport lines all day long. And so he gets to the hotel, goes to the front desk, gets his key. The guy says, yes, yes, room 408. You know, he takes his little key. He goes upstairs, finds his room. He's so tired. He um, does the thing to have the room open and the door just pushes open. Like it doesn't register the key. It just pushes open. And he's like, oh, that's strange. But oh, well, who cares? You know, I'm so exhausted. He goes in, just throws his bags down and just strips off all of his clothes because he's been so sick of traveling and he just collapses on the bed and he's just, it falls instantly asleep, laying on top of the bed, completely naked around 2.30 in the morning. Oh no. (laughs) He hears the key sound of the door and the door swings open and the lights get thrown on (gasps) and this couple walks in who have just been like out at the bar and... And he says, in that moment, I see them, I look across the room and notice for the first time their luggage sitting on the floor. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) And of course, for them, like they just scream bloody murder because like they've walked into their hotel room now and there's a naked man lying in the middle of their bed. (laughs) And he leaps up and he's trying to, you know, throw sheets over himself. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm this must be your room. And 
It turns out that he had gone to room 406 rather than 408, and it just happened that they hadn't latched the whole door closed. And he says he's scrambling the with the sheets, and he's like, I'll move, I'll move. And they're like, no, that's fine. We'll move. And they just grabbed their luggage, <laughs> dragged it out the door, and left him there. But of course, I just, oh, I'm absolutely mortifying. I just... For all people involved. My question is, have, okay... Here's what I want to know. Had the couple slept there already? From how he tells it, it seems like their luggage is still mostly just shoved on the floor. Like they arrived and they left, you know? So I don't think that they'd really made their way into the Yikes. hotel too deeply. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's terrifying. That's really scary. Yeah. And I have nothing that like even amounts to that. I think, I think mine often involve those places and we've all stayed in these places where you just feel like you've got to strip the bed and check it for bugs before you lay down in it. And I mean, one particular time, actually, I was on a road trip and I just could not find a hotel. I was outside of Sullivan's Island in Georgia, for those of you who know, and I found some roadside place, you know, just your typical United States roadside motel. And got a room and I was so thankful because I'd gone to so many places and not been able to get a room and I go to the room and I open the door and there's a bug bomb canister that looks like it has just gone off that's sitting in the middle of the room and so what is that the bug bomb canister basically like a I don't want to know I don't know picture like a jar a spray jar of like spray paint you know except that it can like put bug killer all over the room so I walked down to the back to the desk and I'm like so uh there's a bug bomb sitting in the middle of that room and they said oh right right and they just <laughs> oh, reached down and give me a different key so I got a different room where there was no obvious bug repellent sitting in the middle of it. But of course, like, what did I do? I stripped the whole bed. I'm like fine tooth combing it, looking for bed bugs. And even after that, there was no way I was sleeping underneath the sheets. I think I wrapped myself up in, you know, some blanket from the car <laughs> and hoped for the best. So well, you just made me think of something, another experience that I had also in India that was really scary. I was traveling by train in the north of India. I had gone alone, but I had met a girl in Udaipur, I think we met, and we had started traveling together. If anyone who's traveled by train in India, you know there's you can go, um, I can't remember what they're called, but I think you can go what they call air-conditioned, which is basically tourist class. Like that's what the tourists do. They go air-conditioned. And that's what I did when I started traveling there. And then there's like the regular class, which is just sort of no air conditioning, but it's not about the air conditioning. That's the, the way they differentiate it. But it's really when you do the air conditioned one, there's like sheets on the, there's like beds because this is train rides are really long. So they're all like sleeper trains, right? So you got the sheets and you got a blanket and, and they bring you food. Like they bring you dinner and they bring you breakfast in the morning. And it's very, it's very civilized. And when I did it the first time, there was this very nice Indian couple who were sharing the space with me. It was very civilized. Uh, and most tourists travel that way. But by the time I had gotten to the North, I was, you know, I was trying to save money and I met this girl and she was like, oh, I don't, I never travel air conditioned. That's for tourists. Let's just do the regular. So we booked this train. We went in there and this compartment, first of all, I should say the compartments in the non-air conditioned part of the train, they don't close all the way. Thank goodness. There's slightly open onto the corridor. And I want to say there's six berths 
in there and there's no sheets there's no pillows it's just like sort of like a couchette if you've done it in europe where you just sort of pulls down and it's sort of like a cushion and it's kind of plastified and so i had this huge you made me think of it because i traveled with this huge like sheet basically that i would just wrap myself in at the hotel wherever i was sleeping i would just wrap myself in this sheet and so i had this thing and i'm like okay this is fine i'll just put my backpack under my head i was still in my 20s at this time so like i'm like okay i can do the rough travel and we went in there and there were probably about three or four men in there and they just sat and stared at us the entire time. I mean, when I say stare, I mean like, like this kind of thing. <laughs> For the home audience, dead, slightly drooling stare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't even like a leer, like a come on stare. It was just like a, this is a species that I've never seen, you know, <laughs> like a single woman traveling by herself in the non-air conditioned compartment, not with her husband and not with her father, just like by herself. And it was so off-putting. Uh, I mean, they didn't do anything, but it was a really uncomfortable night. Let me tell you, really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> that does not sound very pleasant. Yeah. Uh, although no. I have to say any, any night that I've spent on a train, overnight is not my favorite night you got to get the right train yeah I've always just been sitting in a chair so no 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 someday no. You someday. Gotta, someday someday the Singapore overnight train from Singapore to Malaysia is fantastic they've got like a shower in there you okay. got your own private bathroom with a shower fair <laughs> enough uh, so of course we want to open the floor we're, we're recording this episode during a live gathering of some of our listeners does anybody else have a Fright Night story they'd like to share? If you do, wave me down. All right. So I had one other that I knew Tiffany wouldn't like, but I hate to tell it because it just enforces your... Is it about spiders? Stereotypes about spiders. <laughs> I knew it. Well, I knew I'm it. I'm happy to tell a jail one if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Please do. Tell us who you are and where you are. Sure. I'm Sonali. Um, I'm in Boston. I think I have nothing but nightmare stories. So somehow it just attracts me. But one that I have from uh, when I was younger, I went to Prague maybe like a year after the fall of communism. And so it was not the Prague of today, which is really glitzy and glamorous. I was doing it on the way. I used to spend my summers with my family in Italy. And so I was on the way getting to there to go and see them. While I was in Prague, I had done my touring, et cetera, and went to the train station to pick up my, um, my train. It was so hot that day that I put my backpack inside the train, but then I waited outside of the train because it was just stifling. And I, I just, it was really, really hot inside. And I was reading a book or maybe I walked up the platform for a bit, but then I went back into the booth and all my stuff was gone. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like, how did that happen so fast? I was just here. And this other guy across from me who happened to be in the booth with me was like, oh, some guy who looks like Van Halen came and took it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I started like running and trying to find a guy who looks like Van Halen and, you know. <laughs> And I was, I mean, I was like running up and down the platform. I was looking inside garbage bins. I was trying to find, you know, my stuff because all my clothes, thankfully I, I had, I had like another bag that had my, my papers and stuff in it. 
anyway, um, the police saw me doing this and they came up to me and they were like trying to figure out what's going on. And at that time, nobody spoke English. They spoke German, they spoke Russian, they spoke Czech, but they didn't speak any, any language that I could kind of pass with. So they took me to what ended up being a jail. I kept saying, you know, can I try to use the phone? So then I used the phone and I tried to call the embassy and they were like, do they know you have your papers? And I said, yeah. And they're like, you're really in trouble. Like they're going to steal your papers, all this stuff. I was like, aren't you supposed to help me? Like <laughs> um, they did not. They did put me in jail. Um, and eventually, yeah, they were just like, you. I, I really don't know, to be honest. But then eventually in me talking to them and then somebody else coming, um, they eventually let me out like three hours later. So then I got out of the jail place and <laughs> I saw a conductor um, who was in the main area and he knew a little English. I I'm, was from Chicago and he's like, oh, you know, my, my aunt's in Chicago. So he called his aunt in Chicago who translated on the phone for him to understand my whole story. And he gave me money and got me on the next train so I could go to Italy. He did all of it for me. I didn't have any money. Part of the thing that was in my suitcase was some of my money. Mm -hmm. And so he did all that for me. But it was hilarious how he put me on the phone. And that was a lot of work on their part at that time. It was a lot of money for him to call long distance to his aunt to help me. And me asking, like, why'd they put me in jail? And he's like, they don't know who you are, you know, like you're running around in garbage cans they think you're probably a crazy woman it was really a long oh my time. gosh that's a scary story it's a great story about the generosity of strangers though it was he was very um i remember he said to me in english through his aunt he was like i hope you come back i hope you don't think this is how we are etc and you know it's a very different place now but i just kept saying because i i don't know i was young I was just like, I don't have any underwear. I don't have any underwear. <laughs> it was like the biggest deal for me. I, I got to buy underwear. Where? What am I going to do? And of course, as soon as I arrived in Italy, my relatives were just like mortified that I looked the way I did. I didn't have any underwear. They immediately took care of me. But So the man or the man or woman who told you that the person who stole your stuff looked like Van Halen, did that person speak English? Yes, it was like a, a kid who happened to be, I think, just doing travel on his own. I think he was English. Mm. And I said to him, but you know, I'm in the booth with you. Like, why would you give, why, you know, why wouldn't you say anything? Not that he had met me for like a long period of time, but mm -hmm. I was just outside. It was very bizarre how it all went down. But Van Halen got a lot of women's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's always the worst, like when you get your stuff stolen and you know that they don't really want the stuff that's in there. I remember um, yeah. this one time I was in uh, Washington, D.C., and my sister had just bought a brand new skirt and some shirt, and, and our family was on a cross-country road trip. And I think because we had out-of-state plates that were in Washington, D.C., the plates were probably either from Washington State or from Minnesota. Either way, you know that this family is visiting dc for the day and somebody just popped the trunk with a screwdriver and stole the two top bags off the top well the two top bags off the top were my sister's new skirt which you know i guess you could 
give to somebody because it was brand new. And the other thing they grabbed was our family shoe bag, which was a bag that we just threw all of our dirty shoes in so that we could easily change shoes and not dig out our luggage. So I just felt sorry for that person in a way. It's like they got a whole bunch of dirty shoes and uh, my sister's new skirt. But brilliant idea to have a shoe bag. That is like the smartest (laughs) travel tip I've heard in a while. I'm going to start doing that. Takeaway tip. All right. Well, um, let's see. I can tell the spider story. Okay. I I have one. Okay. Um, Tell us who you are and where you are. I'm Katie. I'm in Madrid in Spain. And this actually happened when we lived on a sailboat and we were sailing from Greece to Sicily. And this was during COVID. It was during September of 2020. So at that point, when you changed countries, it was very complicated for anyone changing countries, but it was really complicated if you're coming in on a sailboat because you had to time when you're getting your tests and then like actually sailing within that time frame. And you also had to like pre-fill out all this paperwork. You could only then go to the place that you'd said. So we had said we were going to go to Sicily. So we left Greece. We had checked all the weather. Everything looked great. We had this beautiful weather window. It was supposed to be about a three-day passage. And in the first 24 hours, by the time we were out of internet, a Medicane, which is a Mediterranean hurricane, developed in North Africa. Basically, we were crossing from Greece to Italy, and it was crossing from Italy to, to Greece. Oh, my. And, but we had no idea. All of our friends and family who knew we were doing this, they all knew where we were, and they knew it was happening, but we had, we had no idea. Oh. So we were crossing. We actually got lucky, and we did hit some pretty heavy weather, but, you know, we were okay. We, we, made, it, we made it to Sicily, and actually the most terrifying part of it we never fully realized how close we were. You know, we had pretty bad squalls. We had probably close to 45, 50 knot winds, rain crazy, but we were fine. And then when we got there, we just tied up and we were kind of like, wow, that was way worse weather than we thought, but we didn't really like understand what had happened. You know, by that point it was getting dark. We were all tied up. And what happens when there's a storm is then the waves start coming in like the waves that have been kicked up by that storm and we were we were thinking how bizarre we're the only sailboat here in Syracuse that's tied up on the dock like I wonder why everyone else is anchored how you know we were so excited to get pizza and so that night the waves are just coming in and when your boat is tied it just like rocks we spent the entire night just like riding out waves at one point, the back of the boat actually like smashed into the dock. We were really lucky that we had bumpers and, and the damage was not bad, but it was terrifying. We, you know, every five minutes you're going, okay, should we, should we try to untie in these situations and re-anchor in the dark in a place that we've never been before? <laughs> we were, I remember just counting down every hour until daylight being like, okay, I have no idea if our boat is going to smash into a wall. I have no, you know, I have... Uh, this was oh a complete disaster. So that is, that is my most terrifying night. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Katie, <sighs> however, like I, will, I will say you you guys did the pandemic pretty well from where I was sitting. The yeah. all sailing around, <laughs> sailing around all over the place while the rest of us were locked up at home. It's a it's a good technique when you have to be isolated yeah. with just one other person to 
to take it onto the yeah. sea. <laughs> Not a bad like reverse of most people's pandemic experience. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anybody else have a frightful tale? Okay, Lindy, where are you? Yeah, I'm Lindy, and I'm currently living in Zurich, Switzerland. And this is, I would say, a short story, but it involves wild animals. So mm. frightening if you're not fan of the animal kingdom. My partner and I were camping, and it was around dinner. I think we just finished dinner, and we're kind of cleaning up, and we see probably like three or four raccoons around our campsite, and they certainly don't seem frightened of us and uh, pretty curious about what's happening with us. And we tried to kind of scare them off a little bit and they really weren't intimidated. So we decided to clean up quickly. It's getting dark. So we got in the tent and said, okay, we'll just be in the tent and go to sleep. Probably within an hour, uh, my partner's a bit taller than I am. So he's about six foot and his feet would touch the end of the tent. And I think I was probably drifting off to sleep, maybe sleeping. And he nudges me because he can feel the raccoons rustling at the tent and he could feel them on his feet. And he is kind of terrified of raccoons because of a previous experience when he was younger. So I don't think either of us slept that night. The raccoons were circling us in our tent. Kind of a frightful night. It does make me want to ask what happened to him with the raccoons as a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, he worked for a Parks and Rec division in Ohio where he grew up and I think he had to empty trash cans at one point and so he took a trash lid, trash can lid off and there was a raccoon in the trash can and I think it jumped out at him. Raccoons are scary. I find them scary. I love Katie them. doesn't. Katie I, doesn't. Katie loves all creatures. I have a family of five <laughs> raccoons that come and hang out in my backyard for about a half an hour every single day. And I can see them from my office desk. And um, it's one, as far as I can tell, it's one parent because one is huge. Then there's three kind of mid-sized ones and there's one that's really tiny. So I've always assumed that it's one parent and four children, but who knows. But they come and they do these big wrestling matches because apparently they feel like my yard is a safe zone. But one time I was parking my car and I opened the fence to walk through and they were apparently in the middle of a wrestling <laughs> bout when I got back. And you'd think they, they would all just run for the hills. And instead they all just stopped and did that like slow drifting, just watching where I'm like, do we have to get up and move? No, no, it looks like she's going inside. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I'm clearly... Um, you know, I've created quite a habitat. As Derek says, I've created the perfect habitat for vermin. You know, he's like, oh, great. We bought a house and Katie has enticed in all sorts of vermin. But I love it. I love it. So it's true. I, I don't do anything to scare them away. Anyone else? Last call. Last call. Fright Night Stories. Christy has one. Christy has one. Tell us who you Hello. are and where you are. My name's Christy and I am in Vicenza, Italy right now, mm -hmm. but I'm from Portland, Oregon. And this isn't, this is like a fright morning story almost Perfect. about <laughs> five or six years ago. We have two cats. So in our cat, in our bedroom, we have a big cat tower that you can see, you know, from our bed. And one morning, my husband wakes up and sits up in bed and looks over at the cat tower and sees something sitting there. And he shakes, shakes me and he said, do our kids have a stuffed possum? 
And I was like, I don't think so. And we got up and we looked and there was a baby possum sitting on the cat tower in our bedroom, which is in the second floor of our house. Mm. And I was like, no, and we get up and there's this live baby possum there. Since we have cats, we leave our, we would leave our garage door like open because they could go in or outside and it was summertime and we had left actually the back door to our house open. And this possum who unbeknownst to us had been living in our garage for, I don't know how long, had crawled in our house during the night, gone up the stairs and was just camped out on our cat tower. And it, <laughs> my husband's a little bit of a weenie and he made me be the one that try and catch the thing. So that was 45 minutes of hilarity when we had broom and uh, dust pan. And then finally I had to grab it with oven mitts, <laughs> put it in an empty laundry basket so we could relocate it to the forest. But that was, that was really freaky when you wake up in the morning and there's a possum in your bedroom. Wow. Yeah. Wild animal. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, but fun fact, that same possum came back to our house three times that summer into our garage, never got back in the house, but we would find it randomly like on the shelf in a ski helmet, just all curled up sleeping. And so we finally, the third time we put it in a cat carrier and drove it a few miles away and relocated it to another forest. We never saw Frank again. Uh, clearly <laughs> Frank's house was your garage, Christy. I know, I know. Uh, he wanted to be adopted. He did. My husband said, if he comes back one more time, we're going to keep him and we're going to name him Frank. Except every time he came back, he was bigger and that tail was getting thicker. And I was like, <laughs> I just can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, that's how it what, happens. What animal family is the possum from? Because I know nothing. It's a marsupial, is it a rodent? isn't it? I think some marsupial. And the funny thing is, is we couldn't figure out why our cats were fine with this possum just hanging out in our house. And after some research, like they live, cats are fine with possums. They're not a threat at all. Hmm. See, so you could have kept Frank. He could have just moved in. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, that's a, no. yeah, that problem of them just getting bigger and bigger is, um, you know, part of why Derek takes offense to the rat I've allowed to live in our backyard because he, uh, he, is, <laughs> oh, yeah. he is beyond adorable and we have named him. His name is Busby and he's so perky, but, you know, as time goes by, he's aging, but he keeps the other side of the yard. It's all fine. It's all fine, Tiffany. <laughs> more tolerant than me. You're more tolerant than me. I can't do it. All right. You had one more story you wanted to tell, and I'll avoid the spider story. Um, I, I had arrived in Jaisalmer, India with that same girl that I'd been traveling with, and she, I don't know where she had gone. I had decided to go get myself a manicure and a pedicure, and you know, we, we did the kind of thing where, you, you know, you arrive in the city and you wait at the train station until, you know, there's people at the train station with pictures of their hotel and you just go with them. And that's what we had done. And so the guy had given us a card, the card of the hotel and we'd gone and it was a perfectly legit hotel. And we had checked in, dropped off our stuff and she'd gone to do something. And I'd gone to go get my nails done. By the time I got out of the salon, it was very dark. And so I um, couldn't find the hotel. So I was walking through this town that I didn't know, but I had a map and I was trying to find this hotel. And I had the address on the card that I'd been given. It's a small town. You can walk it. 
And so I'm walking around in circles and I see the name of the street on the map and I keep going there, but I can't see the hotel. And I go around and around and around. And finally, I just go into the, basically the hotel that's on the card. The problem was it wasn't my hotel. They'd given me a card for like their other hotel. They had like two hotels and they'd given me the card for the wrong hotel. And I was starting to get paranoid as well. I couldn't figure out if it was my problem or if they were scamming me or if I was so terrified and it was dark and it was pouring with rain. So I went into this hotel and I said, listen, this is not my hotel. They gave me this card at the train station and I'm, I'm at a different hotel. And they're like, oh, 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 we get it. We get it. We get it. We know what happened. This is our other hotel. These two guys are going to take you there. Like the, the sons, the young 20 year old sons of the owners or whatever. They'll take you there. It's across town. So they're walking me over there. We were basically walking through this very, very small, very old town. It's kind of like built into an ancient, not ancient, but like a medieval fort. Very picturesque. Tourists love it. And we had to walk through this alleyway that I am not kidding you was like this wide. Like you almost brushed your shoulders Mm -hmm. on either side of this alley. And it was pitch black. And there were street lamps on the other side. There were street lamps on this side, but the alley... And it was probably like the the length of a building, you know? And I said to these guys who seemed like totally sweet, normal, fine, wonderful guys. But I was like, listen, you wait for me here. I'll see you on the other side. I was not going to walk through this alley with these guys that I didn't know. And they were, they didn't take offense. They totally got it. And I just sort of like ran through and then I waited for them on the other side. But I was really scared in that moment. Like it was one of those, also one of those moments where you're like, I'm going to say something really offensive here, but maybe I have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was scary. I did eventually get to the hotel and everything was okay. It is kind of amazing how many times like you get yourself into a horrible situation. So many of these stories are like, you get yourself into this horrible situation and you've somehow skirt it or there's good people that help you get through it. There's more good people out there than bad people. I think I think if you've traveled enough, you've come to, to that realization, but I do feel bad when my mom hears these stories, which she always hears them many years after the fact. And she says, Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And Oh my God, thank God you didn't tell me at the time. So I feel, I feel bad for my mom. Yes. Our, both our mothers are avid listeners. And so, yeah, you have to (laughs) definitely worry about what you say as far as that's concerned. But I think distance gives it that patina of being okay well we should probably leave it there thank you so much for everybody who joined us at this live event and um who shared your stories and those of you who are here and didn't share stories thank you for coming and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye you could sponsor this show and reach educated curious and compassionate listeners all over the world visit thebittersweetlife.net and click support to get the conversation started.